The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Tom Leach with the day off this morning. Dick Gabriel of the UK Network sitting in, and we welcome you to the Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Tom is not somewhere commiserating about last night's loss, although you couldn't blame him if he were. Uh, he is just uh, spending some time with the family today. And, uh, yeah, you couldn't blame Tom at all because what a disappointment. A Kentucky team that at times played well, at times, per usual, Look lost, but I had a great opportunity to cement that win last night. Couldn't hit free throws down the stretch and couldn't guard on the inbounds. How frustrating has this team been? And really, John Calipari teams in general have had some trouble with that. So uh, we'll we'll chop that up today with Mike Pratt, Tom's broadcast partner on uh, the U.K. Sports Network, and Justin Rowland, the publisher of Cats Illustrated, will join us in the second half of our show on the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline. So uh, we've already started talking Wildcat news of the day, of course, with that loss, 63-62 to Georgia, which drops Kentucky now three straight losses to four and nine, and it's the second streak of three or more straight losses this year. Uh, the loss snapped a 14-game winning streak against Georgia. That was the second longest active SEC winning streak for Kentucky entering the ball game. Cats, of course, have a chance to bounce back at home for whatever that's worth. Uh, you know, with fans not allowed for the most part into the arenas. Uh, Kentucky hosting LSU Saturday. Game is set for a 6 p.m. tip, and you will hear that on the UK Sports Network with Tom. And, of course, with Mike Pratt. All right, some of the other news for uh, our, actually our Wildcat news of the day, quite frankly, uh, includes basketball. And uh, links to these stories are on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. The U.K. women tonight head for the Plains. They will take on Auburn. Uh, 8.30 p.m. tip. Darren Hedrick will have the call on uh, the U.K. network stations. It will be on the SEC network. And uh, you can watch it through uh, or hear it on uh, Lexington on 630 WLAP. Watch it on your uh, ESPN Watch app or on computers. Kentucky is 10-3, and 3-2 and two in the SEC after a win over Vanderbilt. Uh, tougher than you might have expected, 80-73. to 73. But keep in mind, Kentucky was without four guards and Ryan Howard, the All-American, who is a swing player, guard forward for the most part, and what some consider the best player in America, and she's among them. But uh, Kentucky still came up with 22 points, a career high, from Blair Green, and Harlan County native with 7 to 10 from uh, outside, 4 of 5 from beyond the arc, and in fact basically was forced to play a career high 39 minutes, but clearly it didn't bother her. Now, Vanderbilt, you probably heard this, uh, after that loss, the players and really everybody got together and said, look, it's silly for us to go on because they have lost so many players to injuries, COVID, and opt-outs. They were down to seven players 
in that game and played remarkably well. You got to tip your cap to Vanderbilt, which at one point took came from uh, way down and took the lead on Kentucky as the Wildcats began to tire. But Vandy uh, decided we're done. That's it for the season, and that has kind of thrown a real wrench into the works for uh, the SEC women's schedule. But the league is working to plug some other games in. So uh, people don't lose that many games with Vandy opting out. And, of course, think back to the football season. How well did Vandy play in a lot of games, didn't win any games, uh, and, and unfairly Derek Mason's fired as head coach. But injuries, COVID, and opt-outs just ruin any chance at a respectable football season for uh, Vanderbilt. So uh, you are caught up on Wildcat News of the Day. When we come back, Mike Pratt will join us on the Thursday edition of the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Gabriel sitting in for Tom Leach on a Thursday edition of the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs. And we go now to the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline and join the gentleman who worked last night's broadcast with Tom, a guy who was just on my show here in Lexington uh, the night before the game, Mike Pratt. Uh, Coach, welcome. And I know it's a little bit of a quick turnaround for you. You worked last night and here you are again. But I got to tell you, I, I listened to you guys last night. I like to sync the radio like some people get a chance to. And I, I think I detected a little more frustration in your voice last night than I have in other games. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I don't blame you. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I think everybody in, in the, what is called the Big Blue Nation is very frustrated. Uh, I know that there's uh, the former cast that I know that I played with. And some uh, after me uh, have texted me all along and uh, through all this. And, uh, you know, they love this team, any team that puts Kentucky on the front of their jersey. And I, I can sense a lot of frustration from all of us. But, again, the whole uh, big blue nation is frustrated. But, you know, I read something this morning, Gabe, and I'll have to take a crack at this. Um, somebody wrote that he he thought that the fans were the most frustrated. Commenting about Calipari's post game. Let me tell you, I don't care how much money you make. If you've done something as long as you have done it, in his case, and you, this is your job, you got pride, you got ego, you're frustrated. Yeah. And, I, and I will tell you from a coaching standpoint, nobody's more frustrated about how games go than coaches. And most really care. I mean, I, I can't see a coach who doesn't care. They're they're frustrated. I remember I had a couple games, had a stretch with a with a a, a decent team by, back in that time, and we ended up seventeen to ten. But there was a three game stretch where we lost games. I couldn't sleep at night. Hmm. I didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, it was so frustrating, and you didn't. You just you know it's out of your control to a point. You coach what you can coach and teach what you can teach in practice. It doesn't work out. So, I mean, there's frustration everywhere, from Calipari to uh, to fans, and, and I don't divide it and say who's the most frustrated. But trust me, as you well know, Gabe, we're all frustrated, bro. Oh, yeah. 
Well, and I, I have never bought into that stuff about how he doesn't care if they win or lose and all that. I mean, he has, he has said some things that, that made you scratch your head. Uh, but, Absolutely. no, nobody wants to win more than he does, clearly. And my remark has always been, if he doesn't care about winning, why does he get thrown out of games? You know, if he really didn't care, he'd sit there with his, with his hands folded in his lap. But let me let me ask you about last night, Mike. Obviously, let's start at the end. And to me, the most galling thing about that last play was it almost happened on the play prior. Kentucky broke that one up when uh, one of the Georgia players was able to, to knife through the lane and, and get himself open. And fa- thankfully, Kentucky short-circuited that play. But then almost the exact same thing happened. How in the world, and, and a lot of people are blaming them for not playing zone on inbounds. Well, that's a choice you could have. Uh, Leonard Hamilton the other night, I was watching his team play. He's got a terrific team at Florida yeah. State. They play a 1-3-1 on the out-of-bounds. Really? Used to be. Yeah, that was really strange. Everybody played a 2-3 on the out-of-bounds. Yeah. Now coaches, uh, many, many coaches, not just Calipari, many coaches believe that you play man-to-man on the, on the out-of-bounds because that um, makes the players focus and ha- have a purpose and not um, kind of – uh, uh, let's put it this way: You have less options in those situations for saying, as a coach in practice, "You screwed this up. We've got to change it. You've got to do better." Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the zone, yeah, there's responsibilities here, responsibilities there, Gabe, and you know you can say, uh, "Well, maybe this guy should have done that." That no, no, man to man, it's your man, it's your guy, it's your responsibility, and you correct. That gives you. Room to correct people. Okay, we put the tape on. You watch it. You say, "Okay, look, this is this is what went wrong." Uh, we got about two minutes left in this segment. Uh, this is kind of a broad question, but uh, turnovers again, uh, you know, have, have just killed this team. And you, there's a direct correlation between their losses and turnovers. And Mike, can you put your finger on one thing? Uh, the, the, you got Mintz, who's not really a point guard. He's trying, but he's a, he's an off guard catch shoot guy. It's a struggle for him. Some games he's, he's very good at, at that and other games. So he's playing a little bit out of position and then ask you young. And, and, uh, uh, I don't think right now he understands or feels for the importance of the point guard. First of all, making things easier for others. And I still think that, you know, he is a scoring point guard first. And I think maybe what this team needs, maybe, I don't know, but my opinion is they need a guard who can set other people up first option. And if it doesn't work, then I'm the next option. Mm-hmm. Got to cut those. And it's just not them. I, I'm, I'm not picking on them. The whole team turned it over, but um, uh, at different uh, various degrees. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think right now you can put it in a capsule. This team has uh, is certainly shaken confidence-wise, no question. We will touch on that when we come back. We're talking with Mike Pratt on the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach, served up by Wild Eggs. This is the Leach Report. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Dick Aberlin for Tom Leach, guest on the Leach Report, of course, come to you on the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline. And the man in the hot seat right now is Mike Pratt, color analyst for the U.K. Network and U.K. All-American. Uh, and, Coach, I want to pick up where you kind of left off in the last segment. You were talking about confidence, and uh, I don't know that you uh, 
saw or heard this, but the Jimmy Dykes of the SEC Network uh, later last night when they were breaking down the Kentucky loss talked about the fact that this is such an inexperienced team when it comes to college basketball in general and playing together in particular. And he said what he noticed, and of course he is in his living room, is that this Kentucky team plays, in my word, so deliberately, you know, he said they, they, they play kind of slowly because they're still trying to figure things out. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, and if so, how does that play into their lack of confidence? Well, I would have to ask Dykes what he means by, um, what was it, how, how do you put it? Uh, trying to slow. figure it out. Okay, trying to figure it out. If this is a veteran team, yes, they would already understand uh, what Calipari wants, he would under, they would understand the various opponents that have been to, to places like Georgia before. You know, the routine, the mental aspect yeah. of it would click in. Okay, I get that. Um, but, you know, a veteran team that's, that's good with talent um, doesn't lose their confidence, and they don't play slow. They're not afraid to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think there's some guys on this team that are afraid to make a mistake. And, you know, which is uh, understandably given the year and what's been said and what's been written and what's been told to them. Right. Uh, they tighten up. They're afraid to make mistakes. So when you, when you when you don't play loose and easy, okay, whether you're shooting the ball or passing the ball, whatever it is, if you don't play loose and easy, okay, uh, then you got some problems because you're you're not uh, doing things instinctively. You're not, you're uh, very, very slow to make a decision. Decision, and and yeah, I, I think that's some of the things that are happening right now. And another thing is on a missed shot or a uh, turnover, some any way the ball changes hands, you can tell the body language and how fast they get back, mm-hmm. how they just fire out to get back on defense. Sometimes it's a little slower than usual because they go, oh no, another miss, or oh no, another turnover, <laughs> and and. Uh, it's a, it's a mental thing, and it yeah. it affects how you react. There's no question. Yeah, and of course, John Calipari's comments after the game, uh, just of course, he's terribly frustrated, and still, Mike tinkering, and he'll keep tinkering with that lineup because he's got a lot of options, but you know they're not necessarily great options. He's trying to find that combination, and he had a new starting five out there at the beginning, and he had a new five at the beginning in the second half. And it, and in both situations, at times it worked, and, of course, at times it didn't. Yeah, um, you know, coaching is uh, is tough because they everybody wants you to change your lineup, and maybe it looks you in the eye and says change it from practice because he's there every day with practice, so are his assistants. So you change it, and it doesn't work. Or it does work and then it doesn't. You know, it's in and out, and you're you're critical. You're criticized by everybody. Nobody yeah. likes your lineup, even when you win. They don't mm-hmm. like your lineup. Yep. But when you win a bunch of games, no one cares, right? But when you lose a few, everybody cares. So he keeps tinkering and tinkering, and uh, I don't think he'll ever make the coaches in Big Blue Nation happy. But that's what he's got to do. You know, this is his team. He uh, he brought these guys in. Um, it's his team. He's got to work with them. He's got to straighten it out. Now, can he do it? Well, that's the end of the story at the end of the year. Yeah. And uh, maybe, Gabe, just maybe, you ever think about this? I know you have, but, I mean, generally speaking, maybe these guys to start the season weren't good enough, weren't uh, as good as advertised. No reflection on them individually. 
but what we built them up to be mm-hmm. as media people. Maybe maybe they just weren't ready for that. Maybe that's not what who they were. And so, consequently, you've got this team. I mean, not every team, not every kid lives up to its billing preseason. We know that. And just maybe we're finding out that these guys need it, need another year, need some different sure. pieces, whatever it is. Oh, there's no question about it. Uh, and in terms of the buildup, well, you know, you can put a YouTube highlight video together. You throwing the ball down over over kids who aren't nearly as good as you are. But college basketball is full of kids like that, even the kids who don't get all the three and four and five stars. The bottom line is, can you put it in the hole? And, and they just lack shooters on this team, as we know. And they've got the one in Dante Allen, who's a proven commodity. But now, Mike, as you know, his name is up on the wide array board and circled. Don't let this guy have any room to shoot. So now you've got to find another way, don't you? Yeah. and You know, that, that comment from the fans makes me, uh, makes me shake my head sometimes. These guys are the shooters that we have. And everybody wants to talk about getting more shooters, getting more shooters. Well, that's that's for the future. Let's yeah. see. But these guys are what we have, and uh, we've got to get the most out of them. Calipari's got to get the most out of them. Um, so let's not be so daggone critical because we can't make trades. We can't draft. They are what they are. Let's see what we can do with them. And, uh, yeah, Dante's being played different. There's no question. I said that after the first two games right. uh, on, the, on the broadcast. I said, look, he's got to find a way to, to get open quicker he's got defense on it they're going to try to deny the ball uh he's got to you know fade to the corner instead of turning up off the pick just little things rub your man off better yep work harder you got to work harder when when you got the uh, the bronze medal around your neck people want to take it you got to work harder right yep absolutely and i just i'll never forget my buddy cameron mills telling me he said i thought i knew how to use picks when I came out of high school, he said I had no idea, no idea how to use screens and had to completely relearn it. And, of course, once he did, you know, things began to pay off. Mike Pratt sure. is the color analyst on the U.K. Network. He and Tom Leach will call the Kentucky-LSU game at 6 o'clock Saturday. Coach, hang in there. Like I said, I enjoy hearing you, but I know you were suffering through that with everybody. But uh, we'll be listening again Saturday. Thanks, Gabe. We'll be there. and let's, let's try to pull these guys on and let's get them back on track. All right, Coach. Have a good day. We appreciate it. That's Mike Pratt, broadcast analyst and partner of Tom Leach. Funnily enough, you're listening to The Leach Report, brought to you by Wild Eggs. get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com now back to the show it's the leech report from the clark's pump and shop studio dick averill in for the voice of the wildcats he worked of course the kentucky georgia game last night and uh our, my next guest is also quite familiar with these kentucky wildcats he is the publisher of catsillustrated.com justin Rowland. And he joined us on the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Dick. How are you? This is uh, quite the challenge covering this Kentucky team because uh, while every now and then the results of the games change, the story kind of remains the same, doesn't it? Just inexperience and mistakes, and uh, it's turning into one really bizarre season, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, and the, the overriding sentiment I have after watching, you know, this many games is I just don't think he has any answers, and I don't think Calipari can be blamed for that. He can be blamed for the roster construction, but I don't know what he hasn't tried. He's thrown every possible lineup combination together, and when it seems like, like you said, when it seems like something's coming together, you know, somebody just doesn't play well, and it lasts for a couple games, and I don't know what else he can throw against the wall, but... Um, He's tried pretty much everything, and he seems like he's ready to rip his hair out, too. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's, what's strange about this? In the losses, and I guess they're all like this, uh, there's always been a stretch, and last night it was an 8-0 run where they really looked like they were figuring things out. And, of course, they did that for almost the entire game against Florida, which just makes this so maddening. But, yeah, they go on a run, and then the next thing you know, they're breaking down again. So if we're frustrated, I can't imagine how the coach feels. Yeah, and, you know, Dante came out looking great a few few games ago, and as teams have probably adjusted and honed in on him, he's he's had less of an impact. Uh, you know, now BJ, it, it, I'm sure everybody's going to be thinking, well, is he going to turn the corner, and is that going to be mm-hmm. something to build on? We'll see. But you've seen the inconsistency from Saar. You've seen it from Jackson, who played well last night, six for six and four blocks. You've seen the inconsistency from, from Mintz, who really struggled along with Askew last night. Askew had been kind of becoming somebody that you could, you could rely on, you could depend on, and he had his worst game of the season. We'll see how he responds to that as a freshman. Um, but, yeah, the inconsistency. Of it. I don't remember a team with as many players who have been this inconsistent from game to game. No, you're right about that, and I'm glad you brought up Boston because, uh, you know, you you had to wonder, how's he going to respond to coming off the bench? And Calipari talked about heart and that kind of thing, and he showed a lot of it last night, didn't he? Yeah, you know, he's never salt. He's never no. seemed like he's a bad teammate. He's done the right things on the bench. He, he's kept his head up, and, you know, I, you can't fault him for any of that. You can see the difference is when – he lets the offense come to him. And in his defense, there really hasn't been an offense to come to him <laughs> for a lot of the season. I think the reason Calipari gave him that green light was inefficient Boston shots were better than, you know, not running an offense. You know, he's one of the only guys on the team that can consistently create his own shot. Uh, and so he's been you know, kind of thrust into a tough position this year. But, but, yeah, really let the game come to him last night. You can kind of start to see some of his potential for the first time. Clearly we're seeing, and we've known this, that there's one shooter on this team, and as you mentioned, that's Dante Allen. Uh, so three-pointers, it's just not their thing. And yet in today's game, man, you've got to have them. Uh, and so obviously you can get better at it in the gym, and we've seen everybody on that team, including Sar, hit them. But you've got to wonder, is there going to come a point where you just know maybe we're better off taking six or seven as opposed to 13 or 15, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. I think you're, you're absolutely right. There's two questions going on. That's, should a program prioritize three-pointers? I think you know increasingly the answer for everybody is yes. Um, and, and should this team prioritize them? I just don't think they have the guys for it. And the problem is Calipari has kind of survived going against the trend in the sport because he has really talented teams that score a lot in the post and they get to the free throw line. And they don't really have a guy who can keep good position on the block and score down there, and they, they don't get to the free throw line. So they don't have the two other ingredients that allow you to survive, not getting a lot of points from outside, and it's really bitten them this year. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's not like he doesn't care about that because, he, you know, you got a Jamal Murray, you got a Tyler here. He's had shooters. Right. But, yeah, it, it's clearly not been a priority of late because, yeah, with the dribble drive and all that, he likes guys who can get to the rim. But, man, it's looking more and more like 3 and D in college game like it does in the NBA. But you can't make that adjustment in the middle of the season, so they've still got to figure it out. More with Justin Rowland coming up. You're listening to the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Welcome back. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats as we roll along here from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. And right now on the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline is Justin Rowland of CatsIllustrated.com. And actually we're talking about the Wildcats and their loss last night. Um, it's, it's not it can't get much worse for for Wildcat fans. Although Justin, I'm sure you saw where uh, Auburn on the road looked like it was going to just roll all over Arkansas, blew a 19 point lead, and fell to the Razorbacks. It's it's that kind of year in the SEC. Florida kills Tennessee. Is do you think all of this is or not all of it, but a lot of it is is COVID related quarantine? teams just couldn't get together before the season began and build chemistry? Is it that simple? That seems to be a good explanation. Yeah, I mean, there's always a little bit of unpredictability and the element of who's going to show up in college sports. You're not dealing with professionals, but it does seem like the swings from highs to lows for teams have been more pronounced this year in the SEC, and, and maybe that's because there, there are some, some teams that are just more inconsistent. But some teams have gotten, have gotten blown out or have gotten bitten that you wouldn't have expected that from. And uh, it's just been a very unpredictable season. That does seem to be the best explanation. Well, getting back to the Wildcats, John Calipari has juggled his lineup, obviously trying to look for combinations. Every coach does this. Generally, it's done in the preseason, of course. But Mike Pratt preceded you on this show, Justin, and, and one of the things that he put forth was maybe these guys weren't as good as we thought they were. And, you know, it, it's hard to argue with that, but you can't blame the effort. I think they're playing hard. But I always go back to what we hear when we talk to essentially quarterbacks about how the game slows down for you, meaning you can play faster. I don't think that's happened yet for most of these kids. Do you? Yeah, I don't think the game has slowed down. And there's a lot of factors that that have led to that. I think the point guard play has just been absent. You know, even when Askew has has played well, he's not really, really – a, 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 a power five point guard who gets into the lane and breaks a defense down and makes the rotations, you know, start to, to turn into motion. And um, you saw Boston, when, when the offense comes to him, he looked really good last night. Mm-hmm. And when there's no point guard there making that happen, you know, it, that really affects him. So you know, with, with Boston and with Clark, I think, are they as good as we thought? I think that's fair. But when you look at the rest of the team, no point guard, they're a bad shooting team. They don't have somebody who gets on the block. There's a lot of ingredients that that should make it obvious. Like it's not a surprise whether so. It is a surprise based on their rankings coming in, but based on the deficiencies and how many there are, I think you know the record kind of is, is explained by that. You know what's strange about this year as well is Kentucky, at least statistically, playing well on defense holds Georgia 
to less than 39% and has, I think, surrendered fewer than 65 points like six times and still loses half the time. Uh, you know, to me, defense is, is uh, uh, an example of effort, and they're doing that. And you can say, yeah, well, the other guys aren't shooting very well. Well, there's a reason for that as well. But that's what's made this to me doubly frustrating is they've been able to hold teams down, and yet they still can't take advantage. I, I can't recall ever seeing anything like this. Are you? Can, have you? Yeah, yeah. Top 25 team adjusted defensive efficiency by Ken Palmer it was and you got to figure it would be even better maybe like a top 10 defensive team if you take the, the excessive turnovers and points off turnovers away that's how yeah. in Georgia I don't know how, how many teams are going to get that many points off turnover all season so the offense is not just not scoring and not really running an offense it's just literally giving points to the other team mm-hmm. uh, and, and otherwise it, it's a really good defensive team the things Isaiah Jackson does I mean we, were, we had a question about how good the backcourt was going to be defensively and it really wasn't good down the stretch but you know, normally they've been okay so uh, they are kind of squandering a pretty good defensive squad just with, with probably the worst offense that we've seen from Kentucky in a long time. Oh, no question about that. Uh, here's a loaded question for you. Is there hope? And if so, what kind of hope? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to pull the rug out from under them, but I, I don't see answers this season. Just the way that the roster is constructed and you know the fact that we're 13 games into the season and it doesn't look like they've gotten better. You know, it's not like yeah. they're they're knocking on the door. I think what we know about this team is they played really well one time, or, mm-hmm. or maybe two if you count the season opener. Right. Kind of the rest of the season is who they are, and you know, unless you know something happens, some some variable pops into the equation. Um, I just the safest bet is they're probably going to be this for the season. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are looking to the SEC tournament with fingers crossed. And if they straighten things out by then, they certainly have enough depth to to go on a run through that tournament. But the question is, will there be a tournament? Because you just never know when things may take a turn in terms of health. And, you know, the powers that be might shut things down and say, let's just wait for March Madness. You know what I mean? For the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That, that's a total total possibility, and you know a lot of teams that get hot in these conference tournaments. It's because one or two guys are getting really hot from outside. Yeah, and Kentucky's not really a team like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, winning four games in a conference tournament, winning three games in a conference tournament is going to be very hard. Especially, you know, there's some really good teams at the top. So we'll have to see if Kentucky is capable of sticking with an Alabama or a Tennessee, <laughs> um, and we'll get a taste for that in the next couple of weeks. You think Alabama's for real with the style it's playing? Because it had another good one last night. They're not twenty-three three-pointers for real, but they're—I mean—they're good. <laughs> as in, no doubt, they're a complete team. Petty's been around forever, and you know he's really become a player. And you just marvel—they're really well coached. They're where kind of the basketball zeitgeist is right now in terms of how they play, and they're a team that that has talent, and they're playing with with supreme confidence. So yeah, I, I see them as a team that could definitely make a run deep into the tournament. Fun to watch, aren't they? Oh, sure. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. They, um, you know, it's not really about um, what fans want to see. It is about winning, but it's kind of when all of that comes together, you know, this is this is what's going to make Nate Oates a hot commodity at, at a lot of big jobs in, in the 
probably coming seasons. Yeah, and he could make Alabama a big job in and of itself, but I know exactly what you're saying. There, there, there's brand naming and there's brand naming, and, uh, and when it comes to basketball, there's some other bigger brands out there, but uh, uh, he's getting it done. Justin Rowland is the publisher of CatsIllustrated.com. Thank you, sir. Good talking to you. Thanks, Dick. We'll take a break and come back with more served up by Wild Eggs. This is the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Served up by Wild Eggs, it is the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats. How about a shameless plug for my show here in Lexington on 630 WLAP. Uh, 6 o'clock each night, Monday through Friday. And, of course, you can listen through the iHeartMedia app. Tonight, one of my guests will be Dan Issel, the U.K. All-American and the running man. I should have told Mike Pratt that. I should have reminded uh, Coach Pratt that his, his old buddy would be uh, would be on the show tonight talking about the move to bring the NBA to the city of Louisville to bring pro basketball, uh, big league basketball, back to the city of Louisville. There has been some, apparently, progress there. So we haven't visited with Dan in a while. He will join us tonight. So once again, from 6 to 8, it's the Big Blue Insider on 630 WLAP. Just a couple minutes left in this edition of the Leach Report. A reminder, Tom and Mike will be back on the air. Tom will be back tomorrow morning, but uh, Tom and Mike will call the action as the Wildcats take on LSU Saturday and a chance to break. Man, it's a three-game losing skid. They win three in a row. Looks like they're on the way, especially because of the way they were playing, the way they did play in the Florida game, and at times in the other wins. And they had a couple stretches, as I said, in the win or in the loss last night to Georgia. They had an 8-0 run. They had a 10-0 run. It looked like they had the game in hand after that 10-0 run. They had a seven-point lead, 56 the 49, and from that point on scored only six more points, could not get stops. Once again, they are still having trouble stopping people from getting to the rim. And Mike and Tom talk so much about the Georgia guard, the left-handed kid who kept getting to the rim, and in scouting report and walkthrough, everything was about keep this kid from breaking down the lane on the left side, you know, force him to go to the right, if he goes left, he will beat you to the rim and lay it in. And he did it all night long. There was one situation where he got to the rim, laid it up, and actually missed the layup at a crucial spot in the game. And it might have been during that 10-0 run. I remember when that ball rolled off the rim, and I think Jackson snatched the rebound, one of many, uh, I thought, okay, maybe this is the night where they – get enough things to go right where they're not hitting shots, but they can still pull off the win. But you know what happened after that. So, uh, And it, like I said, it's not like they didn't know it was going to happen. So they'll try it again against LSU, and Tom and Mike will have the action for you. A reminder again tonight, it's Kentucky and Auburn. The U.K. women play down on the Plains and uh, Darren Hedrick will have that call for you on the U.K. Sports Network. That one starts at 8.30 Eastern time, so he'll be on the air at 8.15 as the Wildcats try to put up their third SEC win. They should. I don't know how many of the players they get back, 
that they were missing Sunday in the win over Vanderbilt. I don't know if they get Ryan Howard back, but uh, the other players stepped up for them, especially, like I said earlier, Blair Green, who had a career-high 22 uh, in the win over Vanderbilt. So the 12th-ranked Wildcats in action again tonight. Uh, here's another shameless plug. Uh, I'm working the event, but that's not why you should pay attention. Uh, the U.K. volleyball team gets started with its second season. Uh, the blue-white game happens Friday. It happens tomorrow night. You can actually see that one on SEC+. Plus. So fire up your computer and check things out. But the Wildcats got off to a great start in their split season. They were 8-0 and in uh, the first half of their season in the fall portion of their schedule. So now for the first time... They will ever they will play a split schedule, and that's because other conferences decided they were going to put off their league play, their play in general, until the spring because of COVID, obviously. So the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are playing volleyball again here in the spring, and I'm not sure how the Pac-12 is pulling this off because in California the rules are so different. But at any rate, uh, Kentucky's second season begins Friday, tomorrow night, with the blue-white game. And then they pick up, they hope, where they left off on uh, the 29th, which is a week from Friday, when they travel to Arkansas. And in the second half of the season, all SEC games, again, they're playing basically not doubleheaders but back-to-back, Friday-Saturday games or Saturday-Sunday. So they've got a couple of the toughest teams in the rearview mirror, uh, including Missouri, where they took two. Uh, but they've still got to play Florida, and they've got to play, obviously, the rest of their SEC schedule coming up. So uh, that begins. And, again, if you've not seen a volleyball game at Kentucky, this is one of the best programs in the country, you owe it to yourself to either go if you can or watch it online or on the air because uh, volleyball is, is just a terrific sport. It's exciting. It's athletic. And uh, trust me, you will love it. That's going to do it for now. Again, our thanks to our guests, Mike Pratt and Justin Rowland. Tom Leach will be back with you tomorrow on another edition of the Leach Report. For Shannon the Dude, Dick Gabriel, that's it. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreport at gmail.com.